Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 183 with Delma and Grant Danoon of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name's Nathan Chan and I'm coming to you live from hometown Melbourne, Australia. And I hope you're having a fantastic evening wherever you are around the world. Good morning, evening and good night. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share your earbuds with me. If you are new to the Founder Podcast, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, founders, you name it, people that are, you know, built businesses that are number one or two in their industry, receive tremendous amounts of success. And I just try to pick their brains for you to try to unpack and learn from their lessons and their mistakes and experiences so you can build and grow a successful business much faster. So What's been happening in my world? Um, a lot of planning, uh, lots of targets and goal setting, and uh, lots of product. I'm really excited about the future with Founder. We're working on some truly game-changing stuff that no one's ever done before, and uh, I've got just such an amazing team. I'm so excited. Uh, so that's kind of what's happening in my world. I've got some uh, personal health goals as well that I'm working on. I really, really want to get back in shape, so I'm going to be pushing hard for those. And then, yeah, just kind of planning um, just everything that I've got going on. I'm I'm really excited uh, for us to eventually uh, set up an office in the States, uh, which is coming hopefully sometime this year, which has uh, been a big kind of, uh, I guess, goal of mine, which I'm working towards. And uh, yeah, working on some crazy content, guys 
premium, free content, you name it. We've got so much cool stuff coming. All right, so let's talk about today's guests. Uh, it's actually guests with an S at the end uh, because, you know, one thing I try and do is always try to mix things up where I can. And, um, you know, Joe, who works in the team that does the scheduling and interviews and pitching and, and stuff like that, she found uh, Dalmo and Grant Danoon. And they have an amazing company called trybooking.com. And what I found really, really cool about these guys is they've been building SaaS companies for a while now, uh, probably longer than most of us have been building technology companies. But they are very, very old school in their approaches to generating sales, generating uh, leads, and also just getting customer feedback, building customer support, uh, and really just building a great product and scaling that product and really working out where your niche lies. So this is going to be an interesting one and it's just a great perspective for anyone that doesn't you know, want to use any of the tactics and strategies that we share a lot about around lead generation, email marketing, social media, all this other stuff. These guys don't do any of that. And they've built a very, very large business, especially here in Australia. And they look to expand internationally. So a lot of great lessons here in this one, bit of a different one, but you guys are in for an absolute treat. All right, so that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, guys, please do take the time to leave us a review. Helps more than you can imagine. And As a fellow founder, I know you must have other friends that are founders. Please do share this podcast with them. Tell them what they're missing out on. Make sure you download it. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. First of all, Delmo and Grant, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? So how did you guys get your job? No, it's going to be difficult being a couple here. I'm going to hand that one over to Grant. Do you want to start that one, Grant? <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe just a little bit of our, our background. I started life out as a, a pilot um, and flew for an airline called Ansett um, back about uh, 15 years or 20 years ago. And uh, during that time, I actually started to learn software coding. And my parents had a motel. And so we actually... Um, we're looking at what sort of software we could write for the motel and payroll at that stage was actually one of the most difficult things because of all the award interpretation. So I ended up writing a payroll software and turned that into a, a business. And we grew that over 15 years um, before selling that and then moving into, or just prior to selling it, we, we started try booking and then moved into try booking. So it's sort of a, a varied career. Delma's background, which I'll let her explain. <laughs> Um, My background, I came from a very technical background um, in industry and then uh, met Grant and from there the partnership was built and we could see that there was a bit of a future. So we've got complementing sort of roles and backgrounds in terms of um, uh, what we bring to a business and we've been able to work together and I think it's quite a successful, successful partnership that we've actually had for about 25 years over two different businesses now. Um, and try booking has been by far the most successful that we've actually had. Um, so that's sort of how we came about and we can talk a little bit more in a few moments about how try booking came to life. Um, but we've had different roles within both businesses that complement each other. Hmm. I see. So you, you guys had no background in building a software company with the payroll 
payroll software? That's correct. We were pretty well, um, when we started, um, the first payroll program that we wrote um, was actually in DOS. That was just around the turn that Windows started. Uh, we, and, and we actually had very little business experience at the same time. So we, we founded that company, um, spent the best part of 10 years growing um, tri booking, uh, sorry, growing wage easy it was. Uh, and we built up quite a big following in the uh, hospitality sector and we were just branching out into the retail sector. Um, during that period, we spent the best part of, um, I suppose, the, it took us 15 years, but the first 10 years was what I would consider to be fairly average results. And that was because we sort of really just didn't have the understanding. Um, and then we actually brought in a, a business consultant to actually help us um, put together a business plan. Um, and as we were going through that with him, I actually spent time um, looking at what books he was reading and I started reading those books. and. Um, and we sort of went from winning about one out of every four sales to winning um, three out of every four that we presentations that we did. So it was sort of a turning point at that place, and that's when we got our our business processes, our marketing, um, it, our customer service, everything sort of all came together then. And and our competition at that time um, couldn't beat us, and so they actually came to us, made us an offer. Uh, and so we sold that company and, and took our knowledge of business and actually rolled that over into uh, what was to become TriBooking. And uh, instead of taking 10 years of knowing nothing, we actually hit the ground running and, and built that up uh, extremely quickly and, and took that business knowledge. Mm, I see. Interesting. And before we um, move on and talk about TriBooking.com, I'm really interested because um, – yeah, you know, you're, you're a pilot and uh, Dalma, uh, I'm not sure of your background, but you guys, and don't take this me, don't take this the wrong way, but um, you guys are absolutely killing it in the software space and you're doing some really cool stuff and um, maybe a little unassuming, right? Like I, I wouldn't have expected um, you guys both to be doing software in, in the past, you know, 20 odd years. So I'm curious um, when it comes to, you know, wage easy, uh, how much traction did you guys have in the marketplace? How long did it take? Like, how, can you give us a bit of an idea around customer size, uh, traction? Um, like, uh, you know, like, like how did that like the, how did that exit come about? Yeah, with um, Wageezy, uh, we had we had I think probably that stage um, uh, around about sort of fifty percent of the hospitality market using uh, our product and that ranged from everything from uh, your local um, pubs uh, right through to um, some of the large hotel chains that uh, in Australia uh, and that was and we were predominantly an Australian product because of the award interpretation and the tax laws of Australia basically yeah um, but it was sort of you know I suppose the, the, the real story there was that you know we, we, we went along for it, it took us 15 years before we uh, exited that that business but um, the first 10 years of that were really um, you know what I'd call almost bumbling along um, you know sort of thinking you know what you're doing um, and it wasn't until we made that change with the, with bringing that business consultant in um, and then you know really sort of going through that process of understanding, um, not so much market, not so much business plans, but more about 
building the business, getting the marketing right, um, and positioning the product in the market so that uh, you know we could actually. And then we started to literally um, we started to double the business fairly quickly, uh, where previously we were sort of only getting a twenty percent growth rate. Um, and once that happened, then of course our our competition, you know, it was either we were going to grow and take over our competition, or or they came to us early enough and and made us an offer. I think Nathan, in those days, what we really had is we had the technology and we had the know-how. We know we understood what the clients actually required. We serviced those clients very well, and there was one area of our business that we probably lacked a little bit in, and that was the marketing and the sales side of it, which is what we homed our skills on. Um, and from there, once the try booking concept um, was born and we were ready to run with that and the payroll had drifted, uh, we'd sold that one off and it had drifted away, we were pretty well highly skilled in all areas of the business between the two of us. And that meant that when we launched, um, we knew exactly what we were actually trying to do. We knew exactly how to take it to market market, and we had the skills that we'd brought from that other business straightforward. And not only did we have the tech, Grant did the tech and um, helped on the marketing side of it. You know, I was ready with all the customer service and sales side of it as well and I did the finance side of the business as well. So between the two of us, we were highly skilled across all areas of the business for that second round that we were ready to run with. Mm, interesting. And um, between Wage Easy and trybooking.com, did you guys take a break, have a, you know, do a bit of a sabbatical or? No. What what happened was um, uh, we, we were at that stage doing the, the Wage Easy payroll and, uh, and at that point in time we were also – we had children um, and I think Delma will tell the story a little bit better than I can. Yeah, our kids were very, very young at that stage and I think um, there was uh, – Grant left me, I was sold with the chattels of the business to take over and stay with the old business and meanwhile we had the, the try booking actually up and running in those days as well and I had a very finite period of time between – finishing up in one until I got the phone call from him one day and he said, right, your time's up, time to come back now. So um, I think there was probably only about a three-month window between both both of those businesses. And, you know, I had a little bit of time to juggle the kids and just a bit of time out before we actually went full bore into it again. What got us onto the idea of try booking is that uh, with our children we were um, taking part in, in their basketball um, they're sailing. Um, they are involved in um, a local playhouse. Uh, they are also doing um, some of the activities at school. And and what we were doing is we were volunteering, um, as all parents do, uh, with their with their children. And what we found was that uh, you know we, we were spending a huge amount of time fundraising, um, you know, organising people, taking registrations. Um, and we came across the idea that if we could um, automate some of those processes, um, we could actually get rid of a lot of the the hassle uh, involved in in that. Mm. To the point, though, um, we had just started to launch the the try booking uh, product, and we hadn't actually even thought about it being used for some of the uh, community groups, such as sporting groups. And I, the kids had just started to play basketball, and I remember dropping in 
my team's registration to the treasurer at that point, and um, she used to lament about the fact that uh, 80 hours of her life had been given away to managing all these paper forms that were coming over her desk. And, you know, she could have up to $80,000 of cash sitting in her house at the time that registrations came through. Um, that was the point that I had just joined their committee because I was looking for something extra to do to help out with the kids. And I happened to approach her and said, you know, we've just, we've had this product running for, you know, just under 12 months. What do you think? And I sat sat with her and showed her what it could do and how it could help her. Well, in that next season, um, Nathan, she went from what used to be um, 80 hours down to about four minutes of work. Um, the smile was on her face and the the best thing that really came out of the conversation was not only the time saving that she actually made and um, she was happy to stay in that role for a lot, lot longer, but the club itself um, was bumbling along, you know, just floating along the red and within a season or two, we actually went to nearly $38,000 into the black. Um, and the only reason that they could put that down to is that we'd actually put um, some processes in place with the club in collecting payments. And um, instead of people saying to the treasurer, here's my form and I'll drop the money into you later, which must have been happening quite a lot. And she was just so, it was just so time consuming that there were lots of people who were actually playing and not registering properly and paying that they were slipping through the gaps. And so the club actually turned itself around and for years and years and years after that, we actually then had this um, tremendous cash flow that we were able to then put back into the club and the community and the coaches, et cetera. So that was, that was something that was unforeseen in terms of a benefit that they were going to get out of, um, you know, in investing and putting tri-booking in, which no one had actually foreseen. So it, it didn't matter what sort of community group we were actually dealing with. We were finding it was the common problem over and over again that everyone was struggling to find quality volunteers, people who were willing to give up their time, people who had the skills or had the ability to be able to do the jobs on hand. Um, and this, this is where tri-booking came from. And um, it didn't matter what our kids were doing. I sort of I'm not someone to sit on my hands and say, I'm not going to give a hand. Somehow Grant used to, I'd come home and he'd say to me, could you stop putting up your hand a little bit, please? We were, we were just getting involved um, at all sorts of different levels and everyone was faced with the same problem. And so, you know, we actually introduced tribe booking to a lot of these organisations and they flourished from there. Mm, interesting. So you guys really knew your target customer. So tell me, when did you guys start tribe booking? Like when, when did you, when did you start it? Um, we started tri booking in 2006 and that was, we started that when we had the previous payroll business. Um, we spent about six months on that and then, then we got the offer on the previous business. So we actually put that on hold, um, whilst we, um, sold the other business and then we pulled that project back out of the, uh, drawer, um, and set about creating a new team of people. Um, and then launched that. Um, it took us about two years of development, um, and then we launched that um, basically in uh, 2009, 2000, late 2008, 2009. It was it was mid 2008 we launched. So we've been we've been going for nearly ten years now. Yeah, wow. And uh, how's it been going? Like um, from from my research, just uh, reading about 
how you guys uh, like have grown tribe booking. Uh, what's been interesting is you guys bootstrapped. Um, are you still bootstrapped to this day? We are. We are. Yes, we haven't taken any VC funding yet um, to to build the business. That's something that may come in the future. Um, it may not. When we're we're sort of uh, still growing fairly happily in Australia. Um, we have done a licensing arrangement into the UK, um, and we are looking at other markets now. But at this stage, we're we're purely Australian, and, and we see there's still a, a lot more growth to happen in Australia. So we, we we're just a little bit cautious about launching out. Um, overseas until we're really sure that uh, we've got the Australian market secured. And Nathan, if we talk about the Australian market, you know, I think we've turned over um, our turnover in, in ticket sales is is in excess of a billion dollars now in that time. In any one week, we have uh, about ten thousand events actually running on us, um, and they range in a, a range of different organisations. So. You know, there's um, the the product is used fairly widely and fairly extensively um, in terms of where we sit right at this point in time. Mm, yeah, no, that's fascinating. And when it comes to the early days, um, I was reading you guys, you know, bootstrap the business and you didn't take a wage or you didn't draw draw from the business for for over three three years. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, it, it. I mean, one of the things about, you know, and like you said uh, before, these podcasts are predominantly aimed at um, people that are wanting to found their own businesses. And, and you know, one of the things that I hope they get the takeaway from it, that it, it does take a, a fair bit of time to get your business uh, up and running. Um, a lot of businesses, as you know, fail within the first year. Um, and that's, I think, because people um, – expect that uh, they'll they'll have something up and running very quickly and it, and it just doesn't happen uh, our first business took about four years to to get to a point where it started to turn a profit um, and with try booking uh, it took about the same amount of time again mm, and that's gross or net well I mean we, you talking about profit the bottom line is is uh, uh, if you're talking about taking a wage, um, we weren't able to get a wage out of the business until about the fourth year. Um, mm. So you can still take, you know, when we say you're, you're turning a profit, we're turning a profit to the point of, um, uh, I suppose, paying tax. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And um, what, what, what uh, out of curiosity, like uh, during these, this period of the four years, um, did you guys hire many staff? Um, like, what did you, what, what, like, especially with Tribe Booking, I'm really curious, what did your team look like for the first four years? Because, uh, because, yeah, building software is very expensive, bootstrapping it, you need engineers, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious around that point. Yeah, with, with um, uh, if we just go sort of one step back and, and we go back to when we started off um, with Wageezy, um, and we, we were literally, I was, we were bootstrapping that business out of our uh, wages. Um, and that was a very slow process. Um, and so with the uh, try booking, because we actually had the uh, funds from the sale of a previous business, uh, we could then seed that. And in the first business, we actually, because we were bootstrapping it with our own wages, um, you know, we couldn't afford to take staff on. So you were doing everything. 
um, with the try booking, we actually had the funds to bring on um, uh, four staff to begin with, and they were uh, predominantly the marketing people. So they came on board. Uh, we set up a team of software engineers, um, and that was just obviously before the GFC. In, well, GFC was around 2008, two, um, 2007. So we set up a, a software engineering team. Um, we grew that software engineering team up to 20 people. Um, and then uh, we ran that for about two years. And then as the product uh, became mature, we then wound the software engineering team back down to about six staff. Um, and then we brought on the marketing team and we then started to market heavily into um, basically the community groups at that stage. Um, and also the, the idea was we would also be marketing into uh, the arts industry as well. But predominantly we went into the, we, we set our targets as the community base. Uh, and the reason we set our pricing point at 30 cents a ticket uh, was basically because we wanted to see if we could make a change in the industry. At that stage, the industry the industry norms around that time were somewhere between uh, five to seven dollars on the outside, and we figured that if we could be more efficient and really change the industry, we we should come in at a pricing point of around thirty cents, um, and that would that that should start to uh, rock the industry a bit. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's that's a massive undercut. Yeah, and because we were because we were targeting community groups to begin with. Um, we figured that thirty cents had to be cheaper than a volunteer, and and even community groups that are very tight on wanting to save money, and uh, they start to say, well, you know, thirty cents is, you know, that's still, you know, that's still money. Um, but I think as Delma had just explained, uh, we had seen in our uh, basketball group that they actually turned a profit, for even though they were volunteer run. And the reason that they were able to do that was because uh, they were getting more efficiencies out of out of their uh, processes. Yeah, no, I see. Okay, interesting. And um, when you had to downsize the engineering team, w- was that difficult? Like, um, how did you navigate that? Uh, we said them um, when we brought them on board. They were brought on um, as uh, contractors to begin with, um, so that we actually could downsize at the appropriate time. So they came on board knowing that it was a, a you know a six-month contract or, an, or a one-year contract. Um, we had hoped that we probably would have been able to carry the team uh, of 20 through a lot longer, um, but it was just it was just becoming ridiculously expensive and uh, the, we just needed to get the product out to market and we had to, you know, we had to get it um, into people's hands and, and make sure it was actually getting a proof of concept because uh, it was a fair investment to make and you don't want to be wrong. Mm, yeah, no. Um, so when did you know you had a proof of concept? Probably uh, about uh, – we, we in the first uh, – once we launched in the first year, I think we went from sort of zero to about – I think it was a total of – in the actually in the first six months we, we were – we averaged about I think 60 clients or thereabouts. Um, in the next six months, we added an extra 150. Um, and then after that, we started to, you know, we added about three or 400 the following year. Um, and then it went up to a thousand and then it went up to 2000, then up to 4,000. Um, and this year, I think we're going to add something in the order of very close to around about, uh, 12,000 new event, event organizers, which of course running multiple events. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And can you give us a little bit of um, 
an insight to the traction you guys you said you've done over a billion dollar ticket sales um you know uh, i'm really curious like how big is your team um you it sounds like you've captured a big part of the australian market especially in the community space um yeah can you give us some insight around like how far you've taken it as well um our team at the moment is just over 30 people and that's a mixture of um our software developers our marketing team um and through to a customer service um one of the big things that we've always played very strongly on is that you can't actually have software if you if people can't use it or they don't have the ability to have um, someone that they can lean on or call for support. So we actually have um, quite a large customer service team that are actually handling client, client queries and doing the training and hand-holding and sharing experiences um, to make our event organisers' um, workload easier and their setups easier. So um, if you have a look at our team of 30, I think there's about six customer service, six or seven customer service people actually just working and account managing all of those clients that we've actually got. Um, we're a little bit different in terms of how software companies work too nowadays, Nathan, and that is we actually um, encourage people to actually make contact with us. Um, we publish our phone number and it's possible for anybody to pick up the phone and actually speak to any of our people um, throughout the day. So uh, we find a lot of software companies will put an email out there and it's all done remotely via some sort of um, email. So that makes us a little bit different and that's probably why we've had some level of success and that is, you know, if you, you can't run events and give people an experience if if their experience of trying to get to that event and make that event work isn't working for them. So um, we we lend a hand and uh, utilise those services fairly highly. Yeah, I think I've, one of the things I'd say contributes to the success of our business, and this is what we got from our previous business, is that the relationship that you have with your customers um, is very, very important. A lot of businesses, you know, they'll want to sell a product to a customer and then sort of almost forget about them. We believe that it's actually more important to have a, a strong relationship with your customer now. Um, even though we've, you know, we've got twelve thousand to fifteen thousand event organisers that'll be joining um, Try Booking this uh, coming year, um, we want to understand their needs because what happens is for every one of those customers that calls in and that has good experience. Um, then they're more likely to go away and tell two or three other people that um, they've had a good experience with try booking. Um, and so, you know, over-servicing those customers um, is not an expense in our view. It's actually um, part of the relationship and it's also part of our marketing success. Yeah, no, I think that's really smart because um, I agree. Like we pay for, you know, 50 different SaaS founder and it's very, very rare that we can get on the phone with somebody, let alone a Skype call. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, um, and, and this sort of comes back to sort of product um, evolution, and that is that when a customer calls in, um, you know, they're going to give you feedback on your product. Um, and it could be a call that says, you know, how do I do something? And that's a really good opportunity for us then to look at, well, why did they need to call us to ask us how to do something? You know, what is it that, that 
is in our product that is not meeting their needs or not obvious um, that, that, that required them to, to make that call. Now, you know, a lot of customers will call in just because, you know, they like to know you're there and, um, you know, they like, they like to touch you just to sort of make sure because, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be selling their tickets and they're going to be putting their money, um, you know, through try booking. Um, so they want to make sure that, uh, you know, they've got a level of comfort. Um, but apart from that, uh, we want to actually understand what it is that they're not not understanding in the product. And, and because of that, we then look at it, whether we need to change some wording or whether the workflows weren't right. Um, and we keep evolving the product so that we can keep basically stripping out those types of calls um, and making the product stronger and stronger as it gets goes on. So, so it's actually, you know, in one part it's marketing, um, one part of it is is understanding um, the products, what the product is going to need. So it's a combination of things, and um, that's why you know having that relationship with those people uh, is very very important to us. Mm, yeah. So you're using it as a as a feedback loop as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and when it comes to uh, this target market that you guys are going after, do you guys think that you will go after other target markets also, uh, not just the local community clubs? Um, like, uh, what's the plans there? Or are you going yeah, to double we, down on this niche? Yeah, we we we're, we are expanding. Um, as I touched on, I think we're we're looking at um, you know the theatre space. Now, the theatre space is very very crowded. Um, you know, because everybody obviously that, that creates a ticketing or an event registration system immediately sees the the theatre space as being a, a the target to go for. Um, what we're hoping to do is, um, you know, um, as try booking builds in the marketplace, um, those those theatres see that you know why should their customers have to pay five or six dollars um, to do a booking um, when we can do it for thirty cents and and if nothing else. Uh, you know that'll force the competitors to actually bring their pricing down um, and become more efficient in the marketplace, which we, you know we feel would be a good thing anyhow. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very very smart. And you guys, um, yeah, you 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 don't have, I guess, right now pressure for you know rapid growth or extreme scale um, riding on you. You guys are just self funded, so I'm curious. Um, how come you have chosen not to take VC funding thus far and what might change that decision? I think in Australia we've been able to grow the the, the business and, and it's continuing to grow. Um, so the next stage for us would be um, in the international markets and that will happen probably in a year or two's time. Um, at that stage we then have to make the decision um, are we going to self-fund uh, into those countries um, or do we take on VC funding um, and hit those countries, you know, very, very hard? Um, so we, we sort of don't have an answer to that question at the moment. Um, so we're just going to keep going the way we're going. And, uh, um, and I suppose at this stage it, it, it's probably more focused on Australia. Um, that's our goal. Um, and just continue to build the product and make sure that we can cover every uh, market in Australia that would need this type of product. Mm. And when it comes to making that decision, how do you decide? Like how will you work out what to do? 
I think we have to, you know, we actually have got a toe in the water at the moment because we've done a licensing arrangement into the UK. Um, so we, we've had an opportunity that to see um, how that's progressing. Um, it's still very, very early days for us in the in the UK. So you know, we haven't had that. We haven't had enough of that, I suppose, and the feedback um, to to get our head around it properly. Um, we are very um, conscious that you know a lot of companies that you know do go overseas um, have failed in the past. Um, there's a there's a there's a seems to be a track record of that happening, um, and so I suppose we you know when we do make that move, we'll be doing it on very strong footing rather than sort of making it a you know let's just go and see. We we want to make sure we know exactly what we're doing first, and and that'll probably mean bringing on advice. Mm. And when it comes to I guess the sales process, because it sounds like you guys are doing a really really good job with. Um, I guess working with with local organisers and 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 uh, and and tapping into this market, um, you know what what is the like how, what what's been the most effective strategy to uh, um, besides uh, of course having a great product and word of mouth? What's been a a, a really great strategy? Um, you guys do have that viral component behind the software as well. You know if if you know when you sell the ticket, people will be able to see that you try booking. Um, but yeah, what's been the kind of catalyst to, to really get that, um, really cranking? Yeah. From, from what I believe is that you establish a relationship. Um, so early on we went out and we approached, um, a number of the stakeholders that we believed were influencers in that area. Um, and we got them on board and we got them using the product and we got their testimonial. Um, and then once we got their testimonial, then we could go back out to um, people that would know them. Um, so they would be, you know, for example, if we're talking sporting clubs, um, we could go out to the sporting clubs that, that would know who they are. Uh, then we'd market to those people and bring them on board. And then we would work backwards and just keep working through the marketplace. Um, you know, in today's world where um, you know, I suppose a startup believes that they can, you know, jump on and do a Google AdWord or, a, um, you know, Facebook advertising and that they're going to make their their fortune. Um, we're sort of a little bit almost old school when it comes to that we don't believe that we've tried all those. Um, we've actually engaged marketing companies to to work that through with us and, and we've not had very good results Um Yet we've every time we fall back to our um, our tried and tested methods of you know hands on, getting out, talking to people, um, and building it you know almost building it customer by customer by customer, um, and getting their testimonials and getting their word of mouth, um, because they'll go out and tell ten other people um, if they really really like you, and then that grows and, and it, it doesn't take long if you can if you work on those strategies and that's really been the, the fundamental core to what we do. And, and and most of our most of our sales nowadays, the highest proportion of our sales come from word of mouth, Nathan. So it's that keeping that reputation very clean and clear, and that message very clear as well in the market space that's given us the tremendous growth. Hmm. Yeah. No, I like that um, because a lot of people that would be listening to this, they're they're probably on my camp, um, <laughs> where you know all of our growth has come from online and and you know all sorts of crazy growth marketing tactics and strategies and stuff like that. Yeah. And you guys, 
you guys um you guys are doing going really grassroots which i think is really smart and and doing it biz dev and you know the the way that you know before like you know um before the internet was around and i think this is really smart this is you know this is this this builds a really strong relationship as well and um no it's really it's a really good interesting perspective because a lot of people that we speak to um they tend to go kind of my side you know of the table so one thing that I'm curious with as well is is talk to me about the challenges, guys. Like, um, you know, once one thing that one of my mentors has taught me that it, it takes you know seven to ten years to build something of true worth or significance. Um, so you guys have done that with both companies now. Um, closing in, you know, definitely with uh, Try Booking. Um, yeah, what 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 have, what have been the challenges? It hasn't been all that easy. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good question. Yeah. Um, I think with the, I mean, back in the payroll days, you know, we, we were one of the first out there with an award interpreter um, and probably our biggest challenge with that product was um, we just didn't have the business acumen um, when we started that business to really understand what we had. Um, I look back at the missed opportunities that, that you know, for example, we did a um, – a mail drop to about twenty thousand businesses. Um, when oh, you could direct do that, mail. Yeah. When you when you could do it in those days, you know, you could do the unaddressed mail relatively cheaply, and uh, the phone ran absolutely off the hook with people wanting to to know more about the payroll product, and not having any resources or salespeople or any skills, we we just didn't convert. Um, and, I, and I just think today, wow, gosh, if we had the phone rang off the hook like that today, we would have converted just about all of them. Um, but we didn't do that. So I think the biggest challenge for anybody is the, is the lack of the lack of true sales and marketing. And, and marketing is a very wishy-washy area and, and it's hard to sometimes quantify your marketing results. Um, but it's really probably more the sales area and it's being able to make sure you can convert um, and bring and onboard those people properly. Hmm. Interesting. Anything that you'd like to share, Doa? I, I think I'd, I'd just reiterate what Grant was saying is probably the biggest challenges we've actually had is um, probably finding along the way some of the right people. We've, we've dabbled with some of the new technology like you uh, were alluding to before. You know, we've, um, we've, we've tried the... Uh, the newer ways of doing the social media to try and find new spaces, new people to come on board. Um, and we've we've tried a number of the new newer online ways of doing things, but we've just haven't quite the, probably the challenge is at this point it seems a bit a bit too voodooish for us at some in some in some ways. Um, we just can't quantify, uh, some of the results that we should be able to get on the online side of things, we still find that the challenges that we've got is there's nothing like actually speaking to people, um, actually using some of the more traditional methods um, to find your new client base, to find your new opportunities there. Um, so I think embracing and finding how to take, the biggest challenge for us has always been at this point is how to take these newer marketing opportunities and really turn them into um, something that brings tremendous amounts of uh, new clients to us um, for the type of product that we've actually got. 
there's nothing like the word of mouth and just having that reputation just lead itself. I, th- I think also just adding to that is that, um, you know, with, with try booking, it's pretty easy to understand who the who the potential user of the product would be. And so therefore it's fairly easy to go directly to that person um, in the marketplace, you know, whether they be in a sporting club or in a, an event organiser or someone that organises um, dinners um, or does charity or fundraising. So those types of people can be fairly easily quantified. And then once you understand who they are, then you can actually get to them and, and speak to them and talk to them. And whether that be through, um, you know, uh, a phone call or uh, an email or a letter um, or a brochure, um, you know, with the Facebook and, and those types of advertising, we, you know, I'm, as their data gets better and better, then we may be able to target that type of person directly um, more easily. Um, the, and that may change the way we do our marketing in the future. Mm. And, and Nathan, it's it's a really interesting point too that um, even though we've got this tremendous number of people that are actually using our product and have done for ten years, it's um it's quite common we come across people who um, will say to us, "Try booking. I've never heard of you before." So I suppose one of the biggest challenges we've got is that over that initial period of time, we went out to the market in in terms of being a product that was a partner for a lot of community organisations, even though we were widely used, um, we probably would, we've, we've woken up in the last couple of years that we have to brand our product a little bit more to what the consumer actually sees um, there. So we've done a little bit more of that, just, just slightly putting some branding onto our product because it was so common that we'd rock into, um, you know, we'd meet people along the way and they'd say, I've never heard of try booking. And the next time you'd meet them two weeks later, they'd say, well, it's really funny. We've actually used your product now that we know who you are. We've used it three times in the last two weeks. And they had actually been touching it over that time without actually recognising um, who the product was. And that was when that was being said to us in the last couple of years over and over again, we thought, hey, you know what, we just need to put a little bit of branding on there so that we're um, making that branding opportunity just work a little bit more for us. So that was a challenge that we hit and dawned on us a couple of years ago that we've been trying to address. Yeah, one of our philosophies um, was that we actually didn't want to put try booking forward. We actually wanted to put our event organisers forward. So our whole philosophy was, you know, it's not about us, it's about them. And we want we want to have our event organisers, the people that use our product, um, front and centre, um, rather than try and have try booking um, ambush their events, so to speak, and so and so that that philosophy um, sort of worked for us in some regards. But on the other side of it, you know, it probably worked against us a little bit in the sense that we just didn't get uh, enough brand recognition against with the consumers. Mm. So that's something that's changed now. So. If someone's using the service, they will know. And if somebody's administering a ticket, they will know that it, the, it's powered by try booking, right? Sort of, sort of. We're not, we're not, we don't want to put try booking front and center. We we don't want it to be um, branded so that it's obvious. Um, so that philosophy still sticks, uh, stays. But um, we're conscious that it, it is a you know having that philosophy is 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 um, not an it was it can be detrimental to our branding, um, so we've got to look at addressing that. And we are 
taking measures to address it, but but not at the expense of having that um, go against our original philosophy of putting our event organisers front and centre. So there's there's subtle there's subtleties coming through now. Mm, interesting. So um, we have to work towards wrapping up, guys. But um, one thing I'm really curious about is. Uh, besides you guys, um, you know, you mentioned that you had a, a business consultant that helped you with the first business wage easy. Uh, how are you learning? Because this is kind of, I guess, very uh, gray, uh, you know, uncharted territories, um, you, you know, building a, a, a software business at this scale. How are you working out and and knowing what to do and avoiding and making the right decisions because I think to build a successful business and continuing to to grow that business is a series of of making the correct decisions and making the right moves. So how are you guys working that out? Are you are you do you have people or or consultants or anyone that you're learning from? Or I'm really curious. Yeah, um, Nathan, great question. Um, in the last couple of years, we have actually taken on um, some senior management to the team as well. And we've got a good network of uh, people that we now over the years have uh, who've got great business acriments as well. Um, so there's a great network, but with the, you know, with the senior management team that we've taken on, we've we've installed a proper CEO now and we've also got a CTO that has come in, which has just uh, lifted some of the workload off both Grant and I. And with those two guys that now work with us, um, they come with an extraordinary amount of experience that we've been able to work as a as a good team moving forward um, with it. So that's pretty much how we're um, moving ourselves forward. You got some other yeah, things. Yeah, I think yeah. probably you know, you know, as a, as a startup, you you know everything falls back on um, the founder. So you know, you are the CEO. You are the in the case of a software business, you're the t- chief technology officer. You're um, in charge of marketing. You're in charge of business development, um, and you're also doing um, uh, a finances role. Uh, and so you're having to be a jack of all trades. And then as the business continues to grow, you get to a point where, you know, suddenly you're spending, you know, in um, a third of your time being a CEO, a third of your time, you know, developing product and a third of your time in the marketing. Um, and Delma was spending, you know, a third of her time doing um, uh, marketing and sales, a third of her time doing, uh, you know, back office and finance, and then a third of her time, you know, into in with the customer service. And, and when I say a third, 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 um, you know, as you know, no no small business owner um, works an eight-hour week, you know, or an eight-hour day, I should say. So, you know, you're, you're tending to spend those, um, you know, 12 to 13-hour days just to get all those jobs done. So um, as we've been able to grow the business now and we're getting ready for that next stage, um, you know, and whether that be international, um, then you need to bring on uh, a team of people that, that are dedicated to each of those roles that can lead um, and develop teams underneath them to to actually take the business to the next level. So, and that's the process that we're going through at the moment. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I actually find that quite interesting that you guys have brought on CTO and CEO as well. Um, how does that feel? Is is that difficult because you have to let them make a lot of the calls or, yeah, how, how does that work? 
I think from my perspective, you know, I mean, as the CEO of Wageezy um, and then going into Try Booking to be the CEO there, um, you know, that that's the better part of um, uh, nearly 20 years in that in that role. So to actually have somebody else come in um, that that was of such high calibre um, that could actually add to the conversation um, was sort of a quite a... a, a a relief or weight off your shoulders. So no, it's been for me. It's been a fantastic experience, and uh, um, and and Delma will probably explain how she's felt having uh, marketing people coming in. And well, even um, the senior management team that we actually have, Nathan, it's it it is such a huge relief. And um, have we been able to let go? Uh, yes, we're still very mindful, though that. Um, that we're reviewing and with them along the way because we've got years and years of experience too that we have um, on developing these markets and developing the clients and understanding what the clients need. And it's a matter of picking the right people for those uh, those roles in, these, in, in the company, for example. And I must say that the team that we have on board are incredibly respectful and um, will have got no problems in asking for um, guidance or advice when they need um, because they realise that both Grant and I actually have a tremendous amount of experience and a tremendous amount of client understanding that is going to take them quite a number of years. So um, I think when you've got the right level of respect, uh, respect and you've also picked very carefully the right team members, we call it getting the right people on the bus with us, um, there's no problems in being able to step back and let those let the reins go to some degree whilst they carry it on um, into the next stages with us. Yeah, I think yeah, you, you have to you have to be able to let those parts of the business. I mean, go for example, you know, being you know obviously product development is something that um, you know I'm very passionate about, um, but having a, a CTO come in now. I mean, it's 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 actually more of a wonderful learning experience because what he he brings to the role, um, you know, is his years and years and of knowledge, and he's had the opportunity to do that, you know, a hundred percent of the time, where I've I only had an opportunity to do that, you know, as at the better part of um, only a third of my time. So you know, you start to bring that expertise in, and, and suddenly the the business can now go to the next level. So you know. It is, it is a good experience. And and we're accelerating because of it now because we've got very defined roles and it's a matter of setting up a structure when you do bring on the senior management that you have open dialogue um, and we have times to actually meet together and it's at a much higher level now in terms of building and defining uh, defining the business. Hmm. Interesting. A um, couple last questions. Now, this might be a hard one to answer, but I have to ask it because it's something I've, I've always wondered. I've never asked anyone before. Um, when you bring in, you know, a leadership team, especially CEO, um, well, yeah, or, or CEO into your business, do you think it's possible to get them to care enough as much as you? I think it's how you structure it, Nathan, to whether they care well enough. And I, um, I think that... Uh, it depends on the person that you actually find um, with it. So far, it's been incredibly respectful and caring in terms of the growth of the business. Um, but you can put some you can put some measures in place to ensure that that actually and encourage that to happen as well. 
Yeah, I think probably you know when you when you're bringing on uh, you know someone who's a professional CEO, um, they're coming with a wealth of experience, um, and I I suppose they're able to do things smarter, um, where before you know we just had to do them um, putting the nose to the grindstone. Um, so um, you know as long as they can continue to do it smarter um, then and better, and then the business is growing. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think they they also, if they're the right people and you choose them well, they've got a reputation that they this won't be the only um, CEO role that they actually have in life. They'll move on to another one, and it's their it's their reputation as well. But like I said, we can you can put special structures and incentivizations in place um, to actually you know to nurture that along the way as well. Yeah, it's just a matter of having you know the everyone's interests. In alignment, um, and once you've got that in, in alignment, then uh, then basically they they have the same interests as what we do. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, look, um, guys, uh, last question from me. It's been an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and I really appreciate your openness and honesty. Um, where's the best place people can find out more about Try Booking or any of your other work? Well, I suppose let's just go to our website, www.trybooking.com. <laughs> That's very easy. <laughs> the, the reason Delma's was having a bit of a laugh about that is because uh, we were, we were um, overseas and my son, um, who was, uh, I think he was 10 at the stage, was got chatting to some Americans um, and uh, he, he was mad on aeroplanes as well and he, he asked them, when they found out they flew with United Airlines, he said, how did you find United? And they looked at him quite blankly and said, www.unitedairlines.com. So, <laughs> so difference in, in the Australian way of saying things. So that's, that's why we had the little giggle. But jump online. We're online all the time. <laughs> and uh, just go to trybooking.com and that's trybooking with a Y and you'll actually find our product and you'll see our story and see where we're evolving from there. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. That's great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.